It's always an encouragement when you realize that there are people who pray for you. It helps you get through the hard times. I was thinking when that tortoise was up here, left his mark on our church, <laughs> that um, when things happen, he's got a natural defense mechanism. When something scares him or is out of the ordinary, he pulls into his shell and he waits until it's safe. No sense taking a risk. You might as well take all the protections you need. Well, this past week, I almost, both my wife and I almost felt like pulling into our shells because it just seemed like there were a lot of things that were happening, not only in the lives of our church members here, church family, in our own personal life, and uh, the things that are happening around us in the world today, it just becomes overwhelming at times. And you feel like you'd like to pull right into a shell and curl up and wait until it's over or wait until you can trust enough to, uh, to take a risk itself. You can flip that down. Thank you. But for some reason, this week has really been intense, more so than I've ever seen it since I've been here. And uh, we wake up early in the morning with telephone calls and we go to bed at night, late at night with phone calls. And you take a, a sigh of relief saying, well, maybe we can get some sleep. But sometimes it doesn't really happen that way. And uh, things have been happening, you know, and I've been trying to ask myself. In fact, one night this last week, I kind of sat up and I says, why are these things happening? Why, why are things so intense, more so now than they've ever been? What's the root of the whole thing? So as I reflected on it, there was a, a Bible text that popped in my mind. By the way, God always, you start asking questions, he loves to have them answered. And most of the time he answers them with a Bible text. And the text that came to my mind was 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And many of you have experienced that. If it hasn't been this week, it's been the week before, and, and uh, it's become very intense. He's seeking to devour us, to destroy us, to destroy our jobs, to destroy our families, to destroy our relationships with other people, to destroy our faith. And he would love nothing more than to destroy our church. Why? Well, again, the Bible gives us an answer. Revelation 12, 12 tells us that the devil has a great wrath against us because he knows he has but just a short time to live. He's like that roaring lion. We're getting closer and closer to the end of time, and he knows it. He probably knows it better than you and I know it. I know, I know preachers have been preaching the end of time for generation after generation, and they've all said, you know, it's coming, and it'll probably be in our day. And I get up here and I preach the same way, and it would be easy to just kind of dismiss it and say, doesn't mean anything. But you've got to admit that there is a greater intensity of problems that is happening in the world right now than it has at any other time in our world's history. It's happening in our homes. It's happening in the entire world. 
So why is the devil attacking church families with such fierceness? Matthew 24, verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. He does not want the gospel to be preached to the world. He doesn't want to be preached in Beaumont or in Banning or wherever you live. If he can stir up trouble within our homes, within our jobs, within our church, if he can stop the church from operating properly, if he can cause God's people to pull into their shells and not want to come out, if he can cause anything to to happen, to get us angry, to get us upset, to embarrass us, to hurt us, he's got us in his trap. He knows the gospel will not be spread throughout the community if that takes place. So he's got a goal in mind. And he wants to stop you. And he wants to stop me. By the way, Peter gives us some good advice when we're being attacked by the devil. Take a look at this. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety, all your cares, all your problems on him because he cares for you. You've got to take the problems that you have and you've got to give those problems to the Lord. Why? Because he loves you. And he wants to help you. And we've got to trust that he wants to help us. But it still doesn't quite answer the question, why are the problems so intense right now? Why is all this happening in the last few days, in the last few weeks, actually since the the first of the year? They've been really intense. The only outreach that's going on in our church, uh, we just had the positive way. We just, uh, they're going to have another one uh, coming up soon. We're going to have vacation Bible school. That's always a popular event. Is that why the devil is angry? After a lot of thinking about all this, and a lot of prayers for some type of help of understanding of what's going on, I received a phone call just this last Tuesday. Received a phone call from Dr. Phil Jones. He's our conference evangelist. Now, that didn't surprise me because he told me 1st of January that he was going to call me. See, I had called him to ask to see when would be the first available time that he might have to be able to hold an evangelistic meeting here in the Banning, Beaumont area. And he told me then, he says, man, I'm really book solid. He says the possibility, now let's mark it in pencil, the possibility would be sometime in the fall of 2009 or the fall of 2010. Well, that's a long ways from now. But it would give time for us to work together and to do all these things. And then he said, uh, last January, he says, now I'm going to call you before too long and we're going to set up a schedule and we're going to, he's going to take me out to eat and, uh, and we will, he will have a time schedule for me uh, that will be suitable for us. So when he called, I knew we were going to go out and we were going to discuss the plans together. 
And I was hungry too, so it was good to have him pay for it. And so we had a good time together. But he told me that a church had canceled that he was to have meetings. And it left a vacant spot that was open. And he doesn't like vacant spots. So he told me that we could have our meetings September 5th through October the 11th. I'm talking this September 5th through the 11th. Four nights a week, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturday nights. Found pretty good. Now you see why the devil's angry? He wants to stop it before it ever starts. He's trying to disrupt our homes and our church because he doesn't want any meetings to take place. Now when I had this meal with Elder Jones and he explained to me what is expected of the church, he told me, now I know there's not much time, but we have to get the advertising in. I have to know your decision by this coming Monday. That doesn't give me much time. Not a time to call the board together or the finance committee together because, you know, evangelistic meetings are not cheap and uh, we needed to do some organization and some things and uh, to share it with the church board and to say, you know, this are we going to do this or not and then present it to the church. So just doesn't give me much time. So I stopped over to Paul Schmidt's house and I asked him what he thought of the idea. And Paul brought up a very good point. Can we be ready in that short period of time? Can we? It's a lot of work. A lot of teamwork that has to take place. We must be willing to work together. Including having something special for the children. Now that's always the problem. Because... Church members, for some reason or other, they don't want to jump in and to help with the children's program. But if you don't have a good children's program and the children are not happy, then the parents won't come when uh, you have the meetings. And they could be the most interesting meetings in the world, but they won't come if the children aren't happy. So the question is, do we take the risk? As I prayed about it, another Bible passage came to my mind in 1 Corinthians. If you remember, the Corinthians church was kind of a problem church when Paul wrote his first letter to them. Paul knew that he had been commissioned by God to preach the everlasting gospel, and he was also to train church members when he left and he went elsewhere. They were to remain and they were to share the gospel as well as he, and so then he shares with them this, this illustration. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes 
into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Back in those days, a racing marathon was the biggest event of all times. People stopped work to come and to watch these racing marathons. Only the best qualified athletes were allowed to run in the race. If they were not prepared for the event, they would be disqualified from running and if they were disqualified, the community ridiculed the athletes as well as their families. That's how serious this was. Before the race, these runners would train very hard for this event. They would not allow other things to distract them from the running of this race. This was the most important thing in their lives and their total focus was preparing for this race. There would only be one winner in the race, of course, and he would get a crown of, of leaves around his head and, and uh, a little trophy of some sort, and that would be it. No money or anything of that nature but he got the prestige of being the winner. And it was a big thing in his hometown. He would be congratulated. It's kind of like the Olympics, like what's going on uh, before too long in, in China. But Paul says that soul winning is, is kind of like running this race, but the goal is not a temporary um, reward. It's an eternal crown that he would receive. Nothing else in life matters than soul winning and sharing the gospel. That is the most important thing because that's what Jesus asked him to do. So for a moment, let's focus on the race at hand. What are the risks for having this meeting in our church starting in September. And do we take that risk? I've been reading a book by Dr. Ben Carson called Take the Risk, Learning to Identify, Choose, and Live with Acceptable Risk. His job is very risky. Uh, being a neurosurgeon and having to do the very delicate surgeries that he has to do, even like taking conjoined twins and separating, separating them is a very meticulous, time-consuming thing that sometimes those surgeries can last days, not just hours. And he has to ask himself, do I take this type of a risk? And in his book, Dr. Carson tells what he does before he accepts these risky surgeries. He asks himself for simple questions as he focuses 
on this particular case. And no other, the other cases don't matter at that point. He has to come to a point to realize, do I do this or do I back away? So in our case, we're going to ask the same questions he asked, but we're going to have, it, have the evangelistic series as the subject. And here's the first question. What's the worst thing that could happen if we held an evangelistic meeting in our church? And so I'm sitting there and, and I'm trying to think, what would be the worst thing? First thing popped in my mind, no one shows up. And I have had evangelistic meetings where you've gone through the whole process, you open up the church, and you stand and wait, and no one shows up, including three-fourths of the church. That's embarrassing. Not enough help. I remember one time I had some meetings and uh, was well attended by those outside of the church. And finally, one of the church members, or not church members, but one of the visitors that was coming to the meetings said, Pastor, what you're saying is very interesting. But I got one question to ask you. Why isn't your church here to support you? Why aren't they helping you? If it is the most important thing to your church, why aren't they here? He threw me for a loop. I didn't know how to answer him. Maybe it wasn't the priority. No one baptized. We've had meetings. I've had evangelists come in, fill the church full, comes to the end. The evangelist makes his calls and we're working and visiting with people and no one is baptized. You feel defeated. I like what uh, Elder Jones says. He says, look, I come where the Lord wants me to come. And the Lord is the one who prepares individuals for baptism. If they're not ready, that's okay. I've planted the seed. It doesn't bother me. I like that in an evangelist. Because he's not trying to push just to get numbers. He's there letting the Holy Spirit lead. No one baptized. No support by church members. It is a very good key to the success of the meetings if the church supports the meetings. And I've had churches where they have said, you know what, Pastor, we've done evangelistic meetings year after year after year. They never work. There's no sense in having them. You know what really bothered me this last year? I went to some meetings at the conference office, and this particular conference leader, he's no longer there, he says, you know, evangelism just doesn't work. Tell that to the uh, Conroe, Texas church who hadn't had an evangelistic series in over 10 years. And their church member says it doesn't work. And opening night, they had 202 people show up. You're basically saying, if it doesn't work, that God doesn't know what he's doing and he won't help us. That's a lack of faith. So we need the support of the church. We're just not ready. 
it does take time to do things ahead of time. So that's the first question. That's the worst things that could happen. What's the second thing is what's the best thing that could happen if we hold an evangelistic series? The gospel seed is planted in the community. Baptisms. Unification of the church. Do you know that Ellen White says that if you are having a lot of problems going on in your own personal life, the best, the best medicine to get you through those problems is soul winning. Working together to bring in souls. You forget about your problems. Besides, most of the problems you worry about, you don't have control on anyway. So why not give it to the Lord? A satisfaction. There is a satisfaction that takes place that when you go through these meetings and you see great results, it feels good inside, especially if it's someone that you have invited to come or if it's someone that you have picked out that is visiting our church and you are praying for that individual. You don't know who they are, but night after night they're sitting in the same pew and you start praying for that individual and they make a decision. And to think that the Lord worked through you by that prayer. There's a satisfaction that comes with that. Fulfill our part of Matthew 24. Remember he says that when this gospel is preached to the whole world, then what's going to happen? Jesus is going to come. We've got to do our part. That's what he asks us to do. We get new friends. One of the things that, that Elder Jones wants to do is that after each meeting to go over to the Friendship Hall and have some uh, juice and cookies and refreshment time and get acquainted with the visitors so that when they come to church, you're already friends with them. You met them over there. You began to talk to them. The hardest part in evangelistic series is to get church members to talk to visitors. They're not going to talk to you. You've got to talk to them. And I don't know what happens. You like to talk to me, but when it comes to a stranger coming into the church, you all of a sudden can't speak. So we have this new friends that come as we begin to fellowship together. Strength and working power of the church. You gain a stronger faith and the church begins to start this ball rolling that this is what we need to do. And we begin to do more and more and we see more results as well too. Increase faith in the church. You will see your faith being increased. We get our minds off of our problems. The church is active. People like many of you said, I want to come to a church that is active. Well, here's a chance. Here's an opportunity. It's always amazing to me the people say, I'm joining your church because I want an active church. And then you've got something that you're going to put on and they say, I don't want to do it. I'm too busy. Something's wrong someplace. Did you know, I asked him, what's it going to cost us? Evangelism is not cheap. It's not going to cost us a penny. The conference is sponsoring the whole thing. Oh, man. That makes my treasurer sit up and take notice, I'll tell you that. 
Because to have it that soon to raise the type of money that it's going to take to go with this event, I don't think we could do it. But the Lord has come to us and said, don't worry about the money. You just turn on the lights. That's why we took up the offering for church budget. You turn on the lights, turn on the air conditioner, and then all the rest is taken care of. All right, I like that. So these things are happening. That was the best thing that could ever happen to our church. Number three, what's the worst thing that could happen if we don't have the meetings? Another opportunity to have an evangelist come may not take place for another two to three years at a minimum. He already told me that he is booked almost five years in advance. There is a shortage of evangelists because conferences have said, you know, it costs too much to have evangelism and everything else, so they've done away with a lot of their evangelists, and now these guys are being worked to death. The church feels defeated. There's something that if we don't have some type of church growth, you begin to wonder what's the use of even coming to church. Do you know that when the Lord gives opportunities and we reject them, we are pushing away the power of the Holy Spirit? We're saying we don't trust you. And we're actually grieving away the Holy Spirit. Isn't that the unpardonable sin? is grieving the Holy Spirit. Fourth question. What's the best thing that could happen if we don't have the meetings? I thought of two of them. We can sit comfortably in our homes. Don't have to do anything. The devil leaves us alone. Now that may sound true, but it isn't. He still picks at us. But he doesn't pick at us quite as harshly because he knows we're, we're in his trap. So you weigh all these things. Evangelistic series it so soon seems like a huge risk. But as I look at these four questions, and you can probably think of some other things to add to the list. But to me, the positive outweighs all the negatives. So the question this morning, do we take the risk? As I mulled over that question in my mind, I had another Bible text that came to me. 2 Corinthians 5.7 We live by faith, not by sight. There are some times that stepping out in faith is a risk. By definition, really, faith is a risk. Hebrews 11.1 1, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If I can't see it, it's a risk. If I don't know... The, the results, it's a risk. Life is a risk itself. When you go out and get in your car, it's a risk from walking from here to there. 
when you go over to potluck, it's a risk in eating some of the food. Because you might choke, not because it's bad. I'm just one person. If it was only up to me, I would say, like Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. For in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the risk of stepping out by faith in sharing the gospel. But I'm the pastor. Something has to be done by the church. So my vote would be to take the risk, have the meetings, step out in faith. I don't want the devil to defeat my efforts in sharing or the gospel in the community. But this is not my decision. Remember, an evangelistic series is all the church working together, committed together, praying together, striving together. You're going to have some nights where you're going to come to the meetings and you don't want to come. I know that. I go through it as well, too. But if you remember when the disciples were left all alone after Jesus ascended into heaven, they met in the upper room scared, but they knew that they were responsible for sharing the gospel because Jesus had ascended up into heaven. Jesus had told them that... that uh, when they go into the upper room, they were to pray, and they were to pray, and a comforter was to come, and that comforter was the Holy Spirit, and that's the power to be able to share the gospel. And as they were there, the Bible tells us that they were there of one accord. They unified together and says, you know, we've got to do something. And it was then, when they stepped out, that they began to feel the power of the Holy Spirit. If you remember a few months ago, we had these meetings where we divided the church members up, went into the homes, and we were praying for the second Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, because that Holy Spirit must come to us before the end of time. And we were praying for that. Now we're coming to a point where when we prayed for the power of the Holy Spirit, we unified together, we now have to step out and share the gospel. The first Pentecost, they are up in the room, they're praying. They had to leave the room before the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. The same has to happen to us. We have to unify together and to be willing to work together. There's kind of the brochure that would be going out into the community. Now I have to let Elder Jones know Monday our decision. And I need to know the feelings of the church this morning. We have to make a decision. Should we take a risk? Is there a motion from the church body to accept taking this risk? That's right. The way things are being set up in the world today, this may be the one and only set of meetings. I have a second. Okay. You understand what we're voting on. If you are in favor of supporting these meetings to take place starting in September, going through October, four nights a week, 
If you are in favor of that, please stand. Okay, you're all helpers. You're all helpers. So that I'm going to share with him that we will go ahead with these meetings. Now we've got to juggle some things around and, and other schedules and everything else. You can sit down now. Other things. Because we want to do God's work in this community. So it's going to, we're going to do our own music. We're going to do our own children's program. There is one, a couple of nights, maybe four nights, that his wife, who is a trained marriage counselor, will have part of the program um, where she's going to be talking about a happy home, how to establish a happy home. So we've got her expertise. He says he quits right on the dot at 8.30. He also says that if the church is not like the special music and everything else, if they're not finished by 7.02, he starts his program and turns out the lights and turns on the projectors and everything else right at 7.02, even if it's in the middle of the person's song. So he says, I'm going to warn them of that. By the way, because we have such a large group of the Spanish, he is bringing in at his cost a Spanish translator. They will have like a little transistor radio and an earplug, and they will hear it in Spanish. And he may even set up two screens, one in Spanish and one in English. So if you've got Spanish-speaking friends, they can come and participate in all of this. I'm telling you, the Lord has set things up so amazingly effective that it was unbelievable. Now, I'm very picky on evangelists because I have been burnt with evangelists. I've had guys that literally back someone into a corner and will not let them leave until they say they're going to be baptized. I don't like that type of evangelism. And so in talking to him, he and I hit it off. He says, Pastor, if you think that someone's not ready for baptism, you let me know. We're not going to do it. And I like that. He says, we're going to come and we're going to pray. He wants me to start a pastor's class. So we're going to have a pastor's class on Sabbath and Sabbath morning. So there's a lot to do. So we are all going to work together. Maybe there's someone here this morning. Maybe the power of the Holy Spirit is working on their heart. And they're saying, you know, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. And I want to start this preparation before the evangelistic series. Do you know what happens if you have someone ready for baptism when an evangelistic series takes place? When you have their baptism up here in front of the community when they come... It's like a domino effect of individuals that says, I like what I see, and I want to make a decision as well, too. So we're going to take our hymnals, and we're going to turn in our hymnals to hymn number 545, because we do need the Savior like a shepherd to lead us. If someone feels impressed by the Holy Spirit for just preparation for these meetings...
to get ready. And they want to be a part of that. Baptism. I ask you to slip out of your pews when we're singing and to come and to join with me here and we'll make arrangements and I'll pray with you and for you. We'll come here. And uh, you won't miss out on the potluck, so don't worry, it won't take that long. But if you feel impressed and you want to come and you want to prepare for baptism, just slip out when we sing the song as we stand and sing together hymn number 545. before us to evangelize this community. We pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all those who are supporting these meetings. For we have to work together in unity. The devil is angry. He doesn't want this to take place. That Holy Spirit who gives us power to share the gospel is the same Holy Spirit that will defeat the devil within our lives. Defeat him now as we turn ourselves over to you 
in Jesus' name. Amen.